If you're a politics junkie, you need to be listening to the Election Ride Home podcast. Every day at 5 p.m., former This American Life contributor Chris Higgins reports from the campaign trail. Who's up? Who's down? What issues are getting traction and what do the polls say? Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Election Ride Home podcast. I remember waking up. I can move, but I don't. I can hear something rustling in the carpet near me. You know how quiet it can get and you can hear everything. It becomes apparent that something is in the room with us. I try laying still. At this point, I'm terrified. But my fear is cranked up when I feel little tickles on my bare back, as though a dog were smelling me and lightly brushing its whiskers on me. It's doing something to my back. I remember my mother beside me. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Breathe a heavy sigh. This gives me the courage to get up. I do so, and in the dark I head for the light switch. Before I reach it, I see something run across the floor. I could only see its shape in the darkness. It was maybe a foot tall or less. This made me stop, but in less than a second, it was gone. I turn the light on, and there's nothing. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Welcome, weirdos. This is Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And be sure to subscribe if you've not already done so, so you don't miss future uploads. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear even more, I'm constantly posting content exclusively for patrons. Archive episodes of Weird Darkness, personal videos, full chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating, and more. You can learn more and become a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. Or visit WeirdDarkness.com and click on Become a Patron. And a huge welcome to my newest Weirdo Family patrons – Jose Harrow, Malene Gullstrand, Stephanie C. Harvey, Nathan Hall, Lucas Hilshay, and Madeline Arpino. Welcome to the Weirdo Family, folks. You're now part of a 69-member family. Thank you so much for supporting what I do. I really appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by the free audio series, Happening Now, Bible Prophecy in Perspective. When it comes to things like the end times and prophecy, it's kind of hard to see past the hysteria and conspiracy theories. In the free audio series, Happening Now, Bible Prophecy in Perspective, Jack Hibbs takes a grounded look at current events. You can download this audio series absolutely free right now and at the same time, you'll automatically be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So get the free audio series now and get registered to win by clicking the banner at WeirdDarkness.com. 
This free offer ends March 30, 2018, the end of this month, so be sure to download the series now while you still can. Again, click the banner at WeirdDarkness.com. Coming up in this episode of Weird Darkness… A woman begins receiving strange text messages shortly after her husband dies. Could they be from him? The Coast Guard sees something completely unexpected when on the lookout for seafaring drug smugglers. A group of friends see a shadow in the backyard, but there is no one and nothing there to cast it. Could a young, sick little girl's birth defect actually have been caused by a dark supernatural entity? Judging a stranger's appearance creates torment for the rest of a girl's life. Footsteps in the dark, things moved without explanation, pets acting strange, and now it's invading her dreams, her nightmares. It's all happening to one girl and it won't stop. Black-eyed kid encounters typically happen with the child trying to gain entry into the home and begging for you to let them in. But what happens if you discover there is already one in your home? A family experiences scary creatures in the dark and strange lights in the sky. And a series of strange and terrifying events haunt a family over several years. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness. This has been going on a long time, and I've been trying to find help, but no one believes me. I need to preface this by saying I'm a writer, so just because it might not look written by a scared teenager, that's why. But also, I'm not a very good writer, so if it doesn't seem professional, that's why. Anyway, my house has been the home of a spirit of some sort for as long as I can remember. Now, I know what you're thinking. And no, this isn't the normal I noticed a ghost in my house, but that's it kind of thing. This is whatever is in here hates me kind of thing. I'm not sure how to start this all, so I guess I'll state some facts. Number one, this is all true. Number two, whatever this thing is scares me. Number three, it won't stop. And number four, I need someone to believe me. Like I said, this has been happening for as long as I can remember. The first time I noticed anything, I was alone at home. Now, when I say at home alone, I mean I was now old enough to be at home alone. I was very little and very afraid. I remember sitting on my parents' bed watching TV and hearing footsteps outside the door. I hadn't heard any cars pull in, so I looked out the window and saw that I was right. I've always had pets, but it was 
definitely human footsteps that I was hearing. Footsteps are the common thing to happen, along with things getting moved, pets acting strange, and more recently, it's been invading my dreams, nightmares. Now, I know I'm more sensitive to this stuff than my family is, but when I bring any of this up, they act like I'm crazy or making it up. And trust me, I wish I was making this up. After the incident with the footsteps, it became a normal thing for me. But then my cat started acting odd, especially when he was in my room. I remember one night I was trying to fall asleep and my cat sleeps in my room, so he was on my bed with me. Then he starts staring at something, which is weird, but whatever, he's an old cat. But he stands up and starts meowing without looking away from the random spot on the opposite wall, which kind of freaked me out, not going to lie. But then he starts running around my room and acting crazy and making tons of noise. Then he bolts out of my room. He didn't come back to sleep in my room for a week. Things like this have been happening all around my house for years, but more recently it seems more directed at me. A few months ago, a friend of mine had the idea to do a small cleansing of the house. We were at my house alone and decided that was the best time to do it. We blessed some water and put mint in it. We walked all over the house, flicked it in the corners, and we said a prayer as we went. And for a couple hours, it seemed lighter and the air felt clearer. But then things got worse. After that, I was home alone. At the time, I worked 12-hour shifts in a warehouse. I liked taking baths to relieve muscle pain. I was in the bathtub, and I had a bottle of sage essential oil. I loved putting it in the water. It helped me relax. Well, I'd been completely still for about five minutes, and all of a sudden, the bottle got roughly knocked over. That freaked me out, but things like that had been happening for years. After a couple more minutes, I got sleepy out of nowhere. I closed my eyes, but I didn't think I was actually falling asleep. It's all a bit fuzzy and muddled, but I remember standing in another room of my house. But I didn't remember getting out of the tub. But then I woke up in the bathtub. This happened quite a few times, and every time I'd be in a different part of my house, and I wasn't alone someone would always be standing next to me, but I never looked up. I was always staring at my feet and could only see an arm or a hand. But then I would suddenly wake up again. I realized how unsafe it was for me to be dozing off in the bathtub, so I used what little strength I had after just having woken up and heaved myself up. I was still extremely tired, but I dried off and went to my room and fell right asleep again. I woke up later that evening in a panic. I had missed some evening plans because of my unexpected nap. The whole house was dark and I was still alone. I laid in bed a bit longer to text my friends and say how sorry I was that I missed our plans. I heard heavy footsteps coming up my loud and creaky stairs. I had hoped my dad had come home from work but I kept looking out my door to see him walk past my door to his, but he never did. Now, you have to understand that you didn't just not hear someone when they came up the stairs. 
These stairs were loud as hell, and no, it wasn't any pets. Trust me, you can tell the difference. And now, a couple of weeks ago, whatever lives in this house scratched me. I was sitting home alone, waiting on my boyfriend, who also has a gift for noticing these kinds of things, to come over. I'm one of those teenagers who can sit on her phone for hours, so I hadn't got up in a while. But then my brother's puppy, who lives inside the house, woke up and started losing his mind. He got up on the back of the couch and looked out the window and kept barking. Then the older outside dog started going nuts too. I got up to look out the door because I thought my boyfriend was early, but I didn't see any cars. The dogs weren't barking at each other, but I had no idea what it could have been. As I'm looking out the door, the back of my legs start to burn, but not enough to truly concern me for whatever reason. So I go and sit back down and the dogs start to chill. While I'm sitting, my leg starts to burn even more, so I look at it and I saw three perfect scratch marks on the back of my calf my heart sank. I took a couple of pictures and started sending them to friends who knew about my situation so I wouldn't feel crazy. Later, when my boyfriend showed up, I showed him my leg, and he agreed it was weird. When he went to the bathroom later that night, he came back out and said, "'Remember when you were telling me about the trap door covered by the floor in the bathroom?' I said that, yes, I did, and he asked if it was right next to the bathtub. I asked how he knew that, and he said he saw a blue-colored ribbon of smoke coming up from the floor in that spot. I couldn't believe it. Finally, someone else knew something was here. And now we had a house fire. It happened when I wasn't home. I got a call from my dad around four in the morning to my dad saying the house was on fire. No one got hurt, and most of the house was okay, but my room got destroyed. The fireman said it was due to faulty wiring, and my whole wall was ripped down to avoid it causing another fire. I was beyond pissed. I was telling a friend of mine about it, and he said he could see a man in one of my pictures of the room. This friend is an empath, and said the man he saw hates me. Now, I'd never said anything about my situation to this particular friend. We once worked together but didn't see each other much outside of work, so what he said freaked me out. Since the fire, I haven't really been living in that house. I've been staying with my boyfriend. I still go back to the house every now and then to see my pets, and every time I'm there, I feel threatened. It's hard to explain but it just feels like I'm not welcome or wanted by the house, if that makes sense. I just don't know what to do about this situation anymore. I'm afraid it's never going to stop. I just wish someone could help me. In 2015, my husband started to get ill with heart issues. We ended up spending most of the year going in and out of the hospital. In 2016, 
Sadly, he died. I went to pieces after losing David and felt as though my life was over. A few weeks after my husband's funeral, I started receiving text messages. Most of them were jumbled letters and numbers. The seventh text message said, love, and the ninth said, feel better. I've tried to trace the number, but the company says the phone number does not exist. Several so-called experts have tried to trace the number with no luck. I believe my loving husband has been getting in touch with me to tell me to move on. I saw a medium several months after his death, and she confirmed that David was trying to get in touch with me. Apparently, he felt that if I didn't move on, I would be in danger of passing over too early. I like to think that he's looking over me as I begin my new life with my new husband, a man I met attending sessions with my medium. I believe David set this up for me. Has anyone else had experiences with husbands or wives trying to help their loved ones begin a new life with someone new? This is a true account of an incident that occurred early in my military career that I thought someone might enjoy. It was the summer of 2000, and I was just a non-rate stationed on a Coast Guard cutter out of Key West. We'd enjoyed three days of calm weather, and the seas were glassy smooth. Rare nights like this are when smugglers like to make a run, and we were sitting as a darkened ship on a known drug route, an awesome fishing spot due to the massive drop-off underneath us. We had our radars set to max, our ears wide open and our mouths clamped shut. Sound carries like crazy out there, and sometimes you can hear the engines of a go-fast screaming before radar even picks them up. But the night was dead, no activity at all. I was coming on to bridge watch, and our JOD was checking the equipment for a pass-down, but when he got to the radar, he gave a little what-tf under his breath. The oncoming OOD came over to see what was up, said the same thing, then called our CO on a sound-powered phone. We heard him say, Hey, Cap, we have two contacts moving fast, coming straight at us about 40 knots out. So we think we're about to see some action, and everyone starts getting amped up when we hear him give the speed. 400 knots and holding steady! At this point, we think it's just a radar anomaly or some running rabbits radar-type echo. But these two staggered contacts stayed on the scope, and their signal just got stronger. Whatever it was was about the size of a cargo ship moving about 450 miles per hour, and it wasn't even leaving a wake. You can see a wake on radar, especially on a calm night. After seeing this, The CO is on deck in his bathrobe about 30 seconds later, just staring at the radar, and everyone is perplexed, trying to get a look in over his shoulder. So he sends us all out onto the bridge wing with the night vision goggles and has us all looking out for these things. Every few seconds, he's counting down the range, and right when they get to eight miles out, they simply drop off the radar. Boom! Just gone. 
Now, both of us non-rates get sent down to the bow of the ship and we're told to listen for anything, see if we could hear anything or see anything or whatever. So we listen, and it's so quiet that all we can hear is the blood pounding in our ears. Then, after not even a minute of vigilance, we see something. Two lights underwater, moving fast, coming directly at us. If we had blinked, we would have missed them. In just a moment, they had passed directly under our bow and were gone. The best description I can give would be like two train lights moving slightly staggered, not too deep under crystal clear water, maybe 40 or 50 feet down. The leading vessel was slightly silhouetted by the trailing vessel, and the brief impression I got of it was like the engine car of a train, just way larger. It was over so fast, I really never got a look, so I can't say much more than that about them. My fellow lookout and I exchanged a shocked look at each other, and he asked me if I had just seen it too. We talked excitedly about it for a second and ran back up to report our findings. After we made it to the bridge and started telling the CO what we had seen, the quartermaster shut us up, saying that they just popped back up on the radar. Sure enough, eight miles out, there they were, still moving a staggering 400 knots. We watched them disappear off radar at about 40-plus miles in silence. All of us just holding our positions until they passed out of range. Then the old man asked us what we saw. We told him, and after a minute of silence, he just said, Weird. Radar glitch it is. Then sighed and went back to bed. After he wished us a good watch and went back below deck, the COB, the most senior chief of the boat, pulled us up to the flying bridge for a talk. He basically told us there are lots of weird things out here and that it's not the first time he had heard about underwater oddities from sailors, but it was the first that he'd ever been a part of it. He didn't say we shouldn't tell anyone, but he made it pretty clear most people wouldn't believe us if we did. That was it. The next night was just as calm as we ended up stopping a drug smuggler with nearly a ton of product on board, and all we just sort of put the incident behind us and moved on with our normal lives. All I can say after two decades of experience in the military is that in the middle of the ocean, on a clear night and with a good set of NVGs, you can see little zippy things in the sky just about every night if you have some patience. In my years of sea time, I've seen lots of odd things, but that night will always stand out in my memories. I was with a group of friends, and we were together in the backyard of one of their houses. At about 8.30 in the evening, I saw a figure of a man's shadow wearing a hat cast up on the house in front of me, moving towards one of the friends that was there. I looked behind me to see who was casting the shadow, and there was nobody there. It was just darkness. I asked if anyone else saw that, and there was only one person that didn't. It makes sense that the rest of us were pretty freaked out, so we all moved to the driveway. Then the friend who didn't see it made her way around the house. She reported that she didn't see or hear anything out of the ordinary. 
all the other people did not want to go back around the back. So, afterwards, there were no other experiences of anything paranormal. I know what I saw was real, and there were two other people who saw it with me. One thing worth noting, though, one of the friends who was there claims she is a medium. She told me that she can sense when there is a spirit in the area. After the incident, she says that there was an energy in the area, and when we saw the shadow, it was moving towards her. My experiences started when I was very young. I remember being a child and having to share a room with this little girl named Melissa. My mother was a nurse and she always took care of sickly foster children. Melissa was one of these children who had a rare birth defect. I knew the truth of what caused her illness because she brought it with her when she was born. It came late one night as I lay in my bed close to sleep. My new little sister slept in her crib near the middle of the room. Melissa had rustled for a while before falling asleep, but the room was now quiet and the absence of sound was noticeable. I look over towards my bedroom window and see something strange. A chill of terror ran through my body. A shadowed silhouette, so dark as if it was created out of the darkness itself, showed against the light from outside. I held my breath as I watched the shadow of a tall Nosferatu-like creature move closer to Melissa's crib. I knew it was not a man in the way it moved. Slowly, the tall creature moved without making a sound. The sound was so absent it rang in my ears. The darkness ever so slowly leaned over Melissa's crib. Long fingernails emerged from a sleeve moving towards her sleeping body. There was something instinctively telling me that this darkness was not from this world. I knew that it did not care that I had seen it, that perhaps it had been seen many times before and knew that a child's mind would forget it as they aged. I could never forget this. Its nails dug deeper into the crib and Melissa began to scream. I covered my head with the sheets, terrified it would kill me. I felt helplessly frozen in fear. A few moments later, Melissa's screams stopped and she just cried. I carefully lifted the sheet from my head and saw that the darkness was gone, only an empty room with her and I. I jumped out of bed and ran to my sister's crib, hushing her, tears streaming down her face. I leaned over the crib and touched her tummy softly and told her it was okay, that the thing was gone. I slushed her and rubbed the tears from her eyes. I rubbed her tummy gently for a few minutes until she fell back to sleep. I looked around my room and it was just me and her. I lay on my back, staring towards the window. I wiped my tears from my cheek. I tried sleep, hoping that thing I saw would never come again. Days and weeks passed and shortly after, Melissa left our home. The memory of Melissa and that night had begun to fade until Melissa's darkness followed me. At the age of 17, I moved out of my parents and into my own place. It was the beginning of October and I was really excited to decorate my place for Halloween. 
I locked the door and shut off my lights, except for my one pumpkin light that sat on my dresser. I crawled into bed and, shortly after, I began to hear a familiar ringing noise, as if the absence of silence was so loud. I open my eye and I see a tall Nosferatu-like creature moving closer to me. The light from the pumpkin glowed from behind it. I felt cold chills go through my entire body and I froze. I couldn't move, couldn't scream. For a moment, I really thought somebody had broken into my house and was going to kill me. Then the memory flooded in. Melissa's darkness had come back for me. I closed my eyes and waited for whatever it was to come. I prayed that God and his angels would protect me. Yet nothing came for me. The pounding in my chest filled my soul. Although scared to see it, again, I opened my eyes. The darkness was gone. But the memory of the creature with the long fingers flooded into my head. I jumped out of bed and ran to the light. I checked the door, but it was still closed and locked, and everything looked secure. It wasn't, though. I wasn't secure. I was horrified. I laid my back to the door and sat on the floor and cried. I thought of Melissa and how I missed her. I thought of how precious she was to me and how I didn't protect her and how weak I was that I froze again. I thought of calling my parents and telling them, but how could I tell them? I felt like a coward and promised I would never let that thing hurt anyone again. I did not sleep that night. I sat alone, waiting for the sweet sun to kiss my face. Days and months went by, and nothing happened. I waited with a bat by my bed for that thing to come back. I told myself I would not freeze again. I'd kill it. A few months later, while out to brunch with my mother, we were talking about when I was little, and it was the perfect time to ask. What happened to Melissa? My mother was taken back by my question but answered, Well, I'm surprised you remember her. She didn't live with us for very long and you were very young. I know, I said, but what happened after she left us? I eagerly wanted to know. Melissa had been adopted by a wonderful family, but unfortunately, her genetic disorder had taken its toll. A few months ago, she passed away. Chills went down my spine. I knew the darkness had taken her, and I didn't stop it. When? I choked as I asked my mother. I think it was the beginning of October, she said. Melissa's darkness follows me now. Because of that, I have dedicated my life to hunting the paranormal. In 2002, I was walking with my parents at a street fair in Carlsbad, California, and saw a bohemian-looking man with a dreamcatcher and scoffed, stupid hippie with a bogus dreamcatcher. I thought it only to myself. My parents asked me a question, and when I heard the sound of my voice reply, I was frightened. It suddenly sounded as if I had Down syndrome. My apologies if this offends you, but I thought to myself, 
What if my voice remains like this for the rest of my life? I was paralyzed with fear. A few people nearby laughed at the sound of my voice and observed what was happening to me. I was mortified. I ran away from the dreamcatcher and completely out of the village fair until my voice returned to normal. On my way out of the fair, I noticed a male friend from college who I had adored and missed dearly. Fearing the curse of the dreamcatcher, I kept on running off and missed the opportunity to reunite with my college crush. I never had another opportunity to chat with him again, and I blame the magic dreamcatcher for the door that closed there and a few circumstances of my life lasting up to this day. I ended up having three children on the autism spectrum, which may have been a premonition or the doing of that magic dreamcatcher and its mysterious owner. I do consider my children blessings, but I wonder if their struggles could have been prevented. I also developed schizoaffective disorder in my 20s, and on stressful days, I hear tormenting voices cursing me. Despite taking my medication regularly, every now and then, I hear voices screaming at me and wishing me ill. Was it the man with that dream catcher or merely circumstances of my life? I may never know. not sure where to begin on this, but I'm writing tonight because I came across a story while reading about shadow people. I now know what I saw one night back in 2010, but my story is strange. I read about where the black-eyed kids wanted in, but my encounter, he was already in. Now, let me backtrack a little. Since I was a kid, I've seen ghosts and heard noises. That being said, I'm not and never have been a believer in ghosts, even though my friends and I have seen things. I tend to believe it's a mind trick or maybe something else. I grew up with and still have what is called sleep paralysis. I've seen many things during those moments. A gorilla clawing at my window growling while coming in to stand next to me, to what appears to be a two-foot-tall demon, what I found out has something to do with seizures which I suffer from. That house had a basement that, as a kid, I refused to go into. I was six when I went down there, and after that day, never again. I went down to get a toy my mom had put down there because I'd not listened to her, so she put it in the one place she knew I wouldn't go. But I did, and as I got to the bottom, there was a group of people dressed in cloaks or gowns, and they all turned they were standing in a circle in the middle of the basement. Two days later, that house burned down. When I was 12, I was deathly sick. I woke up to be surrounded by the brightest light possible. I realized I was floating and had levitated to the ceiling and was right up against my ceiling light. I could hear a noise outside. I looked and saw a tall man with a black, long coat and a hat walking up my walkway outside my room, and he began to knock at my front door. I yelled for my parents, and I got out of bed, wanting to let him in, but something struck me and made me afraid, and I quickly changed my mind. 
As my mother went to unlock the door, I screamed out, don't open the door, please! They told me there was no one. I was just seeing things because I was running a high fever. The tall man didn't look like a shadow person, but it made me think of the first time I played with a Ouija board with my aunt and uncle earlier that year. I played it, but I never believed any of it. But when I went to bed that night, I woke to the shadow man standing above me, and anyone who has ever been really scared knows that it's almost like an elephant is sitting on you that keeps you from screaming. As the years went on, I became obsessed with the supernatural, trying to debunk it and trying to understand why I was seeing the things I was seeing. When I was 17, I saw that bright light again. I woke to find a person standing next to me, solid white and bright like a light was illuminating her body from the inside. She came to me and got on top of me to what I would call rape me. Then things got weird when I turned 30. My girlfriend and friends would go on ghost hunts, cemeteries to old houses to abandoned mental hospitals, and that's when things took another turn. We all went in an abandoned mental hospital and took pictures and recorded EVPs. I even found a ring that I brought back as we were all done that night. We all bet back at my place and looked at pictures, and in one pic, there was something standing in a corner but appeared to be people looking out of their rooms. That picture scared everyone in the room except me. I didn't want to believe. As time went on, what sounded like running started in the room upstairs, a room that was for the kids. Then one night, I get up out of bed and my dog is walking beside me. We come out of the bedroom to go to the kitchen and the dog stops and runs away. I look and on the stairs is a kid wearing clothes that look like something from a long time ago. A black dress coat with black shorts, white shirt, but his eyes had nothing but black and above him, at the top of the stairs, an old man standing. I run, I get my girlfriend, she comes to look and they are gone. That's the story of the black-eyed kid. I never let him in like other stories say. Through the years, I still suffered from seizures and sleep paralysis. I don't know what to make of it. When I was in third grade in 1994, I lived in a small border town called Douglas in Arizona, USA. My dad was in the National Guard and my mom was a stylist. We lived in a new housing development called Quail Run. If you see it now, there are a lot of houses there, but when I was a kid, we were one of maybe six that were newly built. Quail Run is as far southeast of Douglas as you can get before hitting the Mexican border. I lived in one of the houses on the outer edge of the development. The house faced east, and to the southeast of our front door was miles of desert before hitting Mexico. Plain, untouched desert. I remember there was a square hole across the street where a new house was going to be built. My older brother and I would always venture out and explore. 
We were questioned several times by Border Patrol, but as soon as they heard our clean English, they'd leave us alone. I only tell you this because it's important to the events that occurred. There were several of them, and not always of the same nature. I read a lot as a kid, mainly R.L. Stein and scary stories to tell in the dark. I loved, and still do, the creepy stuff. But I knew early on that I didn't believe in ghosts. I never had a ghostly experience or anything like that. But I have had experiences of high strangeness. For example, my brother and I shared a bedroom. We had bunk beds. He slept on the bottom, I slept on the top. One night I fell asleep and woke up on the bottom. My brother woke up under the bed. See what I mean? High strangeness. We have a lot of stray dogs in Douglas. Once I saw a stray pass behind a light pole that stood outside our house, only to never come out the other side. Maybe less than a foot thick, that light pole. That was just the small stuff. My stupid brother used to try and scare me by telling me that someone killed themselves in our house, which I knew was untrue because I remember our dad taking us to the unfinished house as it was being built. No one could have killed themselves here because we were the first occupants. But even after this, I remember being quite disturbed when my mom found a red splatter stain in the ceiling of her closet. Of course, my brother said it was left over from when somebody put a gun in their mouth. I didn't believe that, but I do remember my mother complaining that whenever she would paint over the spot, it would seep through. She could never get rid of the spot. One time, near the end of our living in that house, my mom and dad were divorcing. He left to live somewhere else for the time being. My mom, brother, and I came home to find a big webbing crack on our living room window. My mom blamed my dad for the crack. My dad denied it. But that very night, we all decided to sleep together in the living room. My mom slept on the couch, my brother on the recliner, and I fell asleep on the floor between the couch and the coffee table that we had in front of the couch. I always and still do sleep on my belly. I just can't fall asleep on my back. Anyway, I remember waking up. I can move, but I don't. I can hear something rustling in the carpet near me. You know how quiet it can get and you can hear everything? It becomes apparent that something is in the room with us. I try laying still. At this point, I'm terrified, but my fear is cranked up when I feel little tickles on my bare back, as though a dog were smelling me and lightly brushing its whiskers on me. It's doing something to my back. These soft little tickles continue and then stop. I remember my mother beside and above me breathe a heavy sigh, and this gives me the courage to get up. I do so, and in the dark, I head for the kitchen light switch, which is sort of a part of the living room. Before I reach it, I see something run across the floor in the direction of the kitchen. I can only see its shape in the darkness. It was maybe a foot tall or less. It had the shape of a leprechaun or gnome, small, pointed hat or head, and thick, chubby. This made me stop, but in less than a second, it was gone. I turn the light on, and there's nothing. It had run into a dead end in our kitchen and just vanished. This encounter would mirror another that occurred a few months later. My parents officially separated. I'm having trouble at school. 
getting in trouble a lot. I even tried to punch the principal. My mom sent me to live with my dad and his new girlfriend for about a week. After that week, he seemed to have enough of me and my troubles at school, and he sent me back to my mom. The first night I arrived back, I saw that my brother had taken down our bunk beds. He threw out all the connector pieces and made himself a huge bed for himself, two box spring mattresses below and two regular mattresses on top. Instead of taking my bed back, I fell asleep on the floor. We used to always watch Star Trek The Next Generation right before bed, and I remember watching this before falling asleep. Now our bedroom has a window that also faces east. The light pole was right outside this window and shone an orange light into the room. We used to have vertical blinds for this window, but as of this particular evening, we didn't have them anymore. Now our bedroom was on the northeast corner of the house. In our room, my brother set up his new jumbo bed in the southeast corner of the room with his head pointing south. On the west end of the room, we had our closet, and the southwest corner was the bedroom door. I fell asleep on the floor with my feet pointing east toward the window and my head pointed west, almost in the closet. I had a pillow and a thin white sheet covering me. I was sort of on my side with the sheet completely covering my head. I could see the bottom half of orange light that shone in from the light pole. I could see where the bottom of the window ended with the line of the black shadow. I awake in this position. I cannot move. My head is covered by the sheet, but I can still see the shape of the bottom half of the window projected onto the sheet. So keep in mind, I cannot see directly. All I see is the bottom half of the square of light from outside. I can only move my eyes. That's when I notice something. Three shadows, like bumps, poke up from the square of light like if three people were peeking into the room and casting three shadows in the square of light. My veins are pounding, but I can't do anything but watch. These three bumps move. They turn to each other. I can see their little profiles, lips, nose, forehead, and their lips move as they turn to each other as though they're speaking to each other. I don't remember hearing anything, but I did get the impression that they were very short. These three bumps I first thought were heads of someone poking their heads in to get a better look. But they weren't. They were their whole bodies. My grandpa on my dad's side had a little foot-tall wooden carving of the Buddha. I remember it reminded me of these little things. The most frightening part was when my brother, only feet away from these things, began to toss a little in his bed and breathe a few heavy sighs. When he did this, all three of the things turned their attention to him. Their fat little bodies and profiles all turned to their left, my right, and watched him as if worried he might wake up. Then they were just gone. They just disappeared. I remember being able to move again and shooting up and turning on the light and searching the room to my brother's annoyance. Never found anything, but never forgot it either. I know this is kind of long, but I might as well get it all out here two more significant encounters that happened around this time. I began seeing psychodot people. A psychodot is when you look at a bright light, then look at somewhere dark and you see a multicolored blob or dot or residue. 
I saw that in the shape of people and creatures like bugs and rats. One time while sitting on the curb with my brother at night, I saw something scurry along the curb where the rainwater drains into the sewer. It looked like a rat or bug. The scariest encounter was when my dad came to pick us up for Dairy Queen, and I ran into my room to get my shoes, and I opened the closet door and see a psycho dot person cowering in the corner of the closet, rocking back and forth. Scared the hell out of me. But just like all the other times, it just vanished. The final thing I want to share is certainly not the last. This happened before the leprechaun-looking thing in the kitchen event. Our bunk beds were still up. We had vertical blinds on our window, though some were missing. The event began very strangely. I told my brother the next morning that my bed sneezed. What I mean is that I was asleep when half of my mattress sprang up like my brother had kicked it, only he couldn't have because the bars were too close together to fit even your hand, let alone his feet. The half of my bed where my head was sprang up for a second, then fell back flat. But I was pushed up into a sitting position. This is how I woke up that night. I look still half asleep at the window, and where one of the vertical blinds was missing, I saw white light. It was far off at the distance. I reached out and pushed open the blinds to the right of that and see that there are three lights stationary in the far-off sky three lights equally spaced apart, side by side, horizontally. I then see from the furthest left light two red lights appear and move further left. They go for a while traveling perfectly straight until they make a 45-degree turn downwards. They seem to go all the way down to the ground before all the lights just faded out. Nothing flew away or blasted off, they just faded out in a split second. And I went back to sleep. Like I said, I told my brother that my bed sneezed because to me it was the best way to describe it. I told my aunt once. She said she saw something similar at her house on the edge of the desert. went out to smoke a cigarette at 3 a.m. in the morning last night and sensed something staring at me. So as I puffed the smoke, I turned the porch light off and looked at where it was coming from. A straight-up six-foot-plus muscular albino in white just stood there in my front lawn signaling the shush with his finger. I put my cigarette out, walked in, bolted the door, and got my weapon didn't sleep at all last night. Woke up around noon and reported it to the neighbors. I went to see where he was standing and there were two boot prints in the grass, pretty deep too. What on earth did I see? On a beautiful day in the year 2000, my sister, who was a nurse at a large hospital in the city, was coming home from church one Sunday. Feeling exceptionally happy, she unlocked the door to her circa 1970 home 
built by our father. As the door opened, a pair of swinging doors slammed shut in the adjoining dining room. And thus began a series of strange events that would haunt the house and our family for a series of years. The first events began with turning on and off the various TVs in the house. This happened with such consistency that she began to address the ghost all members of my large six-member family would visit and wonder at how the TV continued to act up at certain times, even after repairmen were called out. After several months, water in the bathroom started to be turned on at night. That same month, my sister and her husband were cooking in the kitchen when a spatula flew off the counter traveling seven feet and hitting my sister in the head. Later, a paranormal group from the local university would say that the ghost was trying to get her attention, so they had to hit her on the head. As all these events continued, she called her priest to come and bless the house. This happened twice till things quieted down. After several months, her 19-year-old son was upstairs with a friend playing the drums when both boys came running down the stairs to tell her that his phone was ringing, but what scared them is that the phone was not plugged into the wall. These events continued to manifest. For example, as her son went outside one day to wash his car, suddenly all the windows of the car rolled down on their own. Dolls in the daughter's old bedroom – she was grown and married by this time – were found in the middle of the floor along with books. My sister reached out to a paranormal group that told her the entity was drawn to the house by playing of the drums. Both her husband and son played them. It was in the attic, apparently, and it didn't like her husband. Still, the happenings continued off and on for another year. I gave my sister the name of a woman in Florida that helps in such rare cases. After prayers over the period of several months, the happenings finally began to stop. She still lives in that house, and every once in a while, the TV flips channels, and my sister says to the ceiling, Stop that right now. If you'd like to hear more Weird Darkness, you might want to consider becoming a patron. You'll get archive episodes, personal videos, and more. Also, Marlar House patrons now can hear chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating into audiobooks as I record them. Currently, I am narrating the horror novel Into Darkness by Jason R. Davis, and you can start listening right from Chapter 1 if you are a patron, and you'll get new chapters to listen to as I record them until the book is finished and officially published. Then the entire book will disappear from my Patreon page, so you'll want to listen to the chapters while they're still available. Learn more about becoming a patron by clicking the link in the show notes, or visit WeirdDarkness.com and click on Become a Patron. This episode is sponsored in part by Send Out Cards. You can try it absolutely free at SendOutCards.com weird. Be sure to include the slash weird part. That's SendOutCards.com weird. This weekend, if you happen to be in the DeKalb, Illinois area outside of Chicago, you might want to check out the Indie Horror Film Festival. It's this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I am a proud sponsor of it this year. 
If you want to get more details about the Indie Horror Film Festival, you can check out IndieHorrorFest.com. And then, in late April, Horror Avenue Film Fest is taking place in Peoria, Illinois, and I truly hope to actually be there for that one with a Weird Darkness table. Uh, if you want to get links of all the future events I'm a part of, you can find them in the show notes. Do you have a dark tale to tell? Fact or fiction, you can share the story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. The following stories from this episode are all from the MyHauntedLife2.com website and are purported to be true, and you can find links in the show notes. My husband wanted me to find love again from the other side was submitted by Dot Linod of Ontario, Canada. Underwater UFOs was submitted by Randy Malone. The Haunting Experience of Cedar Hill, Texas was written by Roger Blumenthal. Melissa's Darkness Follows Me was submitted by Judy Raderchek. The Curse of the Magic Dreamcatcher was written by Danielle. I Wish It Would Stop was submitted by Danny. Struggles with Sleep Paralysis was written by Michael. Arizona Night Creatures was submitted by Jay Santana Barrios. The 3 a.m. albino in my yard was written by Liam. And finally, The Ghost That Didn't Like Her Husband was submitted to WeirdDarkness.com by Earl. Music in this episode is by Midnight Syndicate. You can download the music right now for yourself by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you like news, politics, and laughs, be sure to check out my other podcast at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me in the Weird Darkness. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.